Hello. Time to do this again. Yeah. You're it's... not getting away so easily. Nope. Nope. We say this every time. I know. We really <laughs> need to figure out, like, a cool greeting. I know. Yeah. I can't think of one. Um. da 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 Andrea and Ren. Yeah, I know. That suits our horror yeah, vibe. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's corny. It's terrifying. I don't know. It'll work. <laughs> no, we're not faking that. I, no. I'm vetoing that. Okay. Before it was even birthed. Fine. That, that was a, like, intro abortion. But yeah, no, so you, you. 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 No, you. No, you. You. Your deck. My deck. Your fucking deck. My spidery fly-ridden deck. Yeah, it's a lot. Okay, so I was babysitting, <laughs> and this is my fear for the week. Andrea went away for work, as she's told you all in at great, great lengths. I'm always never home. I'm so sorry that you guys had to, like, hear all about her work constantly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I was babysitting the kitties, and I go for a smoke on her deck, and her deck is terrifying, because there were a bunch of flies feasting on the corpses of other dead bugs and i couldn't see them it's dark her light bulb's fucking broken (laughs) everything's just coming together like a great big nightmare and as i'm smoking and inhaling i feel something on my lips occasionally oh no because i can't see them they're like the tiny 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 little like uh fruit flies except they're red and carnivorous obviously (laughs) yeah and i my fear is that i'm totally gonna inhale a fly as i'm inhaling like the smoke from the cigarette i'm like what if it gets in there what if I, like, breathe through my nose and it gets into my brain? What if, Andrea? It's not... <laughs> okay. I mean, maybe. Think of <laughs> think of all the possibilities. I'm so sorry. I can't believe I you're so selfish. I don't know so what to selfish. do about it. My fear is the spiders on my deck. That's There's fair, There's this too. weird white thing. Yeah. It's spider-shaped, but I don't think it's... It's either a dead spider. It, I maybe think it's the, a husk. A husk? Yeah. yeah. It looks like it's being... It's kind of like hanging by a thread there now today. Like it changed. Like yesterday, it looked like it could be alive, but now it's just sort of like fluttering in the wind. So they um, do that sometimes when they're alive. That's gross. Maybe they've just like lost some hope. It's white. Yeah, I know the white. Like the really, really like pale spiders creep me out because like the little, tiny little black house spiders. I'm just like that's creepy, but they're not like the worst thing ever. But the white ones hide in the hollows of raspberries, and they are a nightmare. I don't know. I think all spiders are the worst thing ever. I mean, they're not, like, great. They're bad. I mean... <laughs> they're a nightmare. Them. That's true. I don't need them. I do. The environment does. And no. you do need the environment, so... I don't need the environment. You're gonna have to accept the environment. Something else life. can learn to kill mosquitoes. Something else. Yeah. We'll just... Um, bats do it, but they're also not doing so good these days. Then Bat we need to bring in more bats and get rid of all the spiders. Where are we going to find the bats, Andrea? We will grow them in a lab. Okay. Okay, scientists listening, <laughs> get on this. We I need want... to de-spiderify our planet. Yeah, and also I just like bats a lot. So you're going to have to, like, just grow me some bats. Yeah, bats are cute. Bats are cute. Oh, I love oh, them. They're really cute. They're so cute. Just flying little cutes. Yeah, and apparently, like, them having rabies, like, um, Hex, one of our uh, patrons was saying, like, it's actually more of a hoax that they have, like, rabies specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, they can be bitey and stuff, but, like, that's actually, like, getting rabies from a bat, mm-hmm. even if you're in contact with bats a lot, is not <laughs> very common. Yeah. Yeah, they're actually a little cleaner than people usually say. That being said, anyone out there, you probably should not touch the wild bat sleeping in your barn. 
Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't don't take my word 100% because you might not catch rabies at all. But like, I don't know, when did you have your last tetanus shot? Yeah, unless you got to grab it to make more bats. Yeah, bring it to the lab. Then use gloves. To the bat lab. <laughs> bring it to the bat lab. <laughs> no. So we're going to have a fundraiser to start up a bat lab. <laughs> it's specifically a lab for bats. So that's the plan. Mm-hmm. There's uh, no you're other science happening there, just bat growth. Right, we have spoken. Yep. That's our solution. Yeah. Okay. So those are our fears, and <laughs> we actually did get a request. We did. It is for boot camp deaths and... Conversion therapy horrors. Yes. So we're doing that. Yeah. So Here it comes. It's going to be depressing, like <laughs> a is. lot, but you're you're welcome. I yeah. think it's a good request, though, because we were both completely stumped as to what to do. So yeah. that was really helpful to get that, and it's also just kind of like, huh, creative. Yeah. Uh, we weren't going to think of that ourselves, so thank you. Yeah, I like it. So I'm doing the boot camp deck. Yes, Andrea, you have something terrifyingly nasty for us. I just found one long one. <laughs> I one. didn't do a list. That's okay, I did a list, so everyone out there who has, like, list cravings will be satisfied soon. Good, I hate lists. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm just going to tune out for when you're you're doing yours. Jerk. You shouldn't. I have important things to say. Just kidding. I'm sure it's very important. So this is the case of Bruce Stagger. Okay. So he was 16. He was a typical rebellious teen. He smoked weed, ditched class. He would listen to heavy metal, etc., etc. That's just crazy. Just insane. And then when he was in elementary school, his dad left when he was 10, and his mom worked long hours at the hospital, so he spent his afternoons alone. And his brother said he was, like, really fun, energetic, and all that, but he was a lonely kid. Yeah. And he started skipping school when he was 12. And then he fell in with a group of friends that his mom thought were dangerous, and they ended up robbing her house. So she was So correct. she was not wrong. Yeah. She was not wrong. In 2010, one night he came home rolling on ecstasy and shoved his mother. Oh, and that's weird. Yeah, I know. Usually it's ecstasy is... not usually is... the reaction. No, it's not usually an angry <laughs> drug. No. So I don't know. At one point he ran away from home for weeks and he was finally found like holed up with some meth heads. That can be an angry drug. That, yeah, and maybe he wasn't on ecstasy that first time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, his mother and stepfather then found Tierra Blanca, which is in New Mexico. <laughs> it is? Yes. So okay. we've covered this before because they lived in Truth or Consequences. Oh, yeah. Oh, I recently <laughs> saw something about Truth or Consequences. I forgot what it was about, but I think it was actually like another terrible thing that happened there. And I was just like, That's why it is it named that? Yeah, don't name it that if you don't want weird shit to happen. Truth or consequence. I still think about that. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so it was a boot camp. And mm. the director's name was Scott Chandler. And he was perceived as John Wayne by uh, Bruce's mother. Like like she thought he was like a, similar a John Wayne acting. babe. I don't know. Maybe more like just acted like John Wayne. That's not good. Kind of like a cowboy. Eh. Um, so over the phone, Chandler told her that they wouldn't hear from Bruce for several months while he was with them Ooh. and that she couldn't visit without permission. He said, quote, you're the parents, but we're his family now. Ugh. And when she asked how they would reintegrate Bruce back into the family afterwards, he said, quote, you don't because the problems that exist in the family will always exist in the family. 
Then what's the point of the camp? Right? So that's a red flag, right? Yeah, what the fuck? But his parents signed his legal rights away, and they hired two men to forcibly take him. And they woke him up at like 4 a.m. in October 2011. Oh. 4 a.m. Oh, my gosh. Rude. 4 a.m. is rude, but I'm also just kind of like... Why do they have to hire people to take kids to this boot camp uh, in the dead of, like, the a.m. hours? I don't know. And sign their rights away and never talk to them? Like, how many red flags do you need before you're like, that's too many red flags? That's scary. I would never do that. No. Um. So when the men took him, they put a black pillowcase over his head after a few hours of driving so that he wouldn't know where they were going. When they got there... Uh, that guy, the owner, or director, Scott Chandler, he lifted the hood from Bruce's head and said, hey guys, come meet the new kid. So a dozen boys came out with dirty clothes and fingernails to say hi. The ones wearing orange were trouble, apparently. So what? if you're wearing orange, it's because you broke a bunch of rules and you were like a, ba- a really bad boy. And putting a hood over his head is okay, though? Yeah, I know. Like, what <laughs> It's just weird. Fuck? It's more like a kidnapping. Yeah. Um, wow. So the ones in orange didn't approach him at all to say hi because they were firewalled, which meant that they couldn't speak to anyone but the staff. Mm. But the rest of them shook hands with him. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was no program or handbook for this place. Oh, so, like, boy. there was no thing saying what the rules were. Yeah. Just as you became more trusted, things were explained to you by the other boys. Like, so it was just like a slow trickle of information that you got as you were there for, like, so it's an like extended jail. amount of time. Yeah. Uh, although in jail, they probably actually tell you the rules. I don't know if they do, but I mean, like, for not the yard like the rules. Social, yeah, yeah, the yard the rules, obviously not. But, like, there was no rules given to them about the program. No yeah. policies or procedures. That's a really bad sign. It's not a good situation. This poor kid. Oh, my God. So each day began at 7 a.m. with breakfast and Bible study or reading about historical leaders. On Tuesdays and Fridays, a retired elementary school teacher came and handed out assignments from the teachers in the nearby town. And then every other day, 15 kids were – well, not just 15. Like all of them, but there were about 15 of them. Yeah. Were put to work on the ranch clearing land, chopping firewood, and building fences. Right. Uh, to soften the rocky ground, the biggest kids ran the digger, which was this unwieldy contraption with sharp metal spikes. And a suddenly there's a cat. jumped right into the foam. She just yeah, dive-bombed in here. She jumped over your head. Like, where did she, she jump? She jumped over my head. Oh, ah, my God. Hazel, no. Get out of here. Either sit story. down or get, like, you got to make a choice, baby. Lay down, baby girl. I can't believe this. Hazel's like, I hate I boot camp. I saw that jump, like. Yeah, she but leaped I didn't see it completely. over me. I felt her <laughs> graze my hair. What uh, the fuck? What a crazy kitty. Yeah, so our cat just interrupted this. I'm yeah. so sorry. Gosh dang. Um. Okay, that unwieldy contraption with sharp metal spikes. Yeah, which and then, sounds like a bad sign already. Like, yeah, I, it's I feel dangerous. like that's ominous. It's yeah. dangerous. And, or they used ghetto dynamite, which is bullet cartridges stuffed with gunpowder to blast through the rock. Okay. I never heard of it. Me neither. I've never heard of that. No. That sounds it's bad. Not, like, it sounds dangerous. Yeah. I mean, none of this is, like, legal, I don't think. It. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and the poor parents probably, like, had no fucking clue. Yeah. No, they wouldn't have. They can't even, uh, like, They weren't communicate. allowed. Communicate. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
they would then be told to put their tools down and say, it's time to run up and down the mountains 10 times with 20-pound rocks in your hands. And then they would have to get back to work. Okay. So, like, extreme exercise. So, exercises varied from long-distance runs to charging up hills with truck tires hoisted above their heads. And Chandler called those halos. So, like, go do halos. And you'd have to take a tire and run. That's so weird. Um, in between runs, they were made to do scissor kicks, push-ups, wall sits, etc. The bigger and stronger and the more you liked to beat up the smaller boys, the more oh. powerful you got. So, like, oh, wow, that's a the good higher training. your status. Yeah. That's a good way to train people to it's be terrible. bullies. Good job. I know. Good um, job, Scott. <laughs> you did it. Bruce couldn't keep up because he wasn't in shape. And when he couldn't do the exercises, the staff encouraged the other boys to help him, which meant drag him or punch him in the gut, because that's helpful. Yeah, love it when people help me out by punching me. <laughs> um, this is a favor, bam. Basically, if Bruce did the... <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Um, <sighs> if Bruce did as he was asked and didn't cause any trouble, mm-hmm. he earned three points a day, and once he earned 60, he could call home and, like, staff favorites were given privilege status so they could go home for visits, rent movies, or play on the football team. Okay. Stuff like that, right? So, so you earned points. But there were people that were favorites of the staff that got these special privileges. Probably people of Stockholm. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> the ones who weren't going to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. If you broke the rules or ran away, you were taken to a special closet full of orange clothing and assigned an outfit. And you were made to sleep, work, and eat while shackled and cuffed. But Chandler afterwards says that's only when a boy was a danger to himself or others. Okay, that's not what you do, though. Yeah, but that's what, yeah. Like, they're saying, no, he just did it, like, if you broke rules. Yeah. And then he's saying, no, 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 it was so rare. It's uh, Yeah, <laughs> I only occasionally shackled and starved and kept only, them hostage in a closet. Only once or twice a day. Only when I had an excuse. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, So boys said that they spent weeks in shackles that left scars on their ankles and wrists because they would cut into their skin. And sometimes other boys would step on their shackles to mess with them. Right, yeah, trying to get them off. Yeah. They made hooch from canned fruit, bread, and sugar. And they tattooed themselves using ballpoint pen ink and cactus needles to, like, cope with this. So it's basically prison. Yeah, and that's also really, like... I don't know, that's very resourceful. It is, yeah. I would not think to do that with a <laughs> cactus needle. Um, Bruce was really timid at first, and he he would go from being, like, really stoic and, like, nothing would get to him mm-hmm. to completely breaking down. Poor kid. But he eventually be- began to open up and tell him uh, the other boys about himself and back home, like, how much he missed his mom, about his ex-girlfriends, about Aww. the band he was in back home. Oh, um, that's and so sad. I know, and, like, You know, he was obviously trying to start making friends. Yeah, and he missed his mom and his girlfriend. I don't know. That's just really depressing. Yeah. Uh, In spring 2012, Chandler took Bruce and some of the other boys three hours east into the Sacramento Mountains Mm -hmm. uh, to build a fence line and turn the train into a hunting camp for wealthy clients. And most, including Bruce, were in orange for breaking the rules. So this group was like the bad boys. Yeah, well, the ones who weren't the informed ones that had broken rules. rules. Yeah, that they didn't know existed. existed. Yeah, and we're probably trying to run away because they were being treated really badly. It sounds like the the Sheldon Schumer's rule system uh, for the DBT program. Yeah, <laughs> rigorous and you broke a rule that I never told you about. Yeah, 
It's ridiculous. <laughs> yep. There was limited electricity out there, and most food was canned and past its expiration oh. date and stored in a horse trailer with a leaky roof. So oh. rain would get in the pancake mix and would mold. <gasps> but it was the only food that there was, so they would just fry it, like, thoroughly and eat it. It's so dangerous, like that specific mold. Yeah, it's not good. But Chandler denies this and said, quote, I ate everything the boys ate, and 90% of the time there were leftovers, which we fed to the dogs. They got plenty to eat. So he was saying, like, there's lots of food. Yeah. They didn't have to resort to that. Like, there was lots. There were dogs? Right? I, I guess there were dogs. <laughs> this is pretty weird. Hopefully they were treated well. Um, I feel like they were guarding the boys, so they were probably okay. That's creepy. Yeah. Like, that's not good. Um, this is a prison. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely prison. So one night, after a week of being there, they were all loading up to return to Tierra Blanca headquarters mm-hmm. when Chandler realized that his wallet was missing. Oh, no. So after hours of searching, he decided one of the kids had stolen it. So one by one, he and another staff member took the boys under a tarp beside the horse trailer and strip searched them. What? And then it still didn't turn up, so he gathered them and he was like, this is your last chance to come forward. Okay. Yeah. And nobody did. So, the next morning, he told them all that they were going to stay at the camp until his wallet turned up. And suspicions fell on Bruce because he was one of the last ones in the truck with Chandler before the wallet went missing. Right. But he, he said he didn't have it. He probably didn't. He probably didn't. So, basically, the staff slowly upped their daily exercise to, like, extreme levels. Oh. And they cut the rations to being just rice, canned beans, and tortillas. Oh, good. So, and, they're starving. Right? They're starving them. And it's not that's not enough nutrients like no there's the vegetables like beans don't have everything you need so to turn the others against bruce because the staff for some reason didn't like him they sat him in a lawn chair and gave him water and forced him to watch the others do halos up and down a steep rocky slope so basically treated him really well so that the others would hate him yeah exactly no that's a that's like that is actually an army tactic yeah this was very army-ish like he like boot camps, they are admitted supposed to they're be. supposed to be. They're supposed to use those tactics to teach them. Yeah. Yeah, boot camps for sure are supposed to be like the army, but not like jail and torture. Yeah. Um. So they started waking the boys up in the middle of the night to run, um, because still nobody had confessed and and Bruce hadn't confessed. And yeah. Chandler claims this only happened twice, but I think twice is still a bit much. I feel like Chandler is probably not the most honest man. No, I think it probably happened every night, right? Basically, they were starving them yep. and then not letting them sleep. And the boys thought they were, they felt like they were losing their minds yeah. because of being already starving and now they're sleep deprived. So you feel like really. You're out of it. Like, yeah, you're yeah. really out of it. Um, some boys thought that this was Bruce's final stand against Chandler to show that he wouldn't break. Like That's why he took the wallet. Right. But some started to wonder if maybe he was actually innocent. And reportedly, Bruce told Chandler that he had taken the wallet and burned it, but uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, that might be just be Chandler, like, making an excuse. Yeah. It's really hard to say. Regardless, you don't starve and torture children for taking wallets. Exactly. But the thing is, is he didn't burn it because it turns up. So Oh. So it seems weird that, that Chandler he would say, yeah, that. I took it and burned it, except that it wasn't burned. So did he even say that? Like... Probably not, no. So several say several boys said after that Chandler had subtly suggested how to end their ordeal Ooh. by wanting Bruce beaten. Oh no. So it started off once or twice a week the boys would band together a group of four or five of them would take him away from the camp and interrogate him and then beat him. Oh. And then it escalated to being every single day. Oh. So the boys said they beat Bruce in plain sight of the staff, but Chandler denies this. Huh. 
Um, but the boys said that the staff would either just go into their trailers while it was happening or they would sit right there eating and not intervene. Oh, boy. The beatings didn't work because Bruce did not confess. Which so probably means he didn't fucking have it. Yeah, I think he would have by now. Yeah. Um, so the no boys... Yeah, so the boys got more inventive. They hung Bruce from the horse trailer by his handcuffs. Oh my God. They lassoed him and dragged him across the dirt. He would they would put him in a sleeping bag stuffed with cow dung oh. and they would kneel on his chest. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, the worst of it was when they hogtied him to a pole by his cuffs and shackles and paraded him around like a pig on a stick while others beat him. Oh my god, that's so fucked. Yeah. Oh. The boys ended up meeting and they decided the only way to end the ordeal was for one of them to die so that authorities would shut it down so they drew lots to decide who would drink some nightshade tea but the staff found out before they could do it and then two weeks after that they met again and they decided they'd have to kill bruce but then they abandoned that plan because i guess they weren't completely out of their minds oh boy (laughs) so stirring to like a lord of the flies situation yeah it's really bad uh finally a staffer found the wallet in a five-gallon bucket of electrical wires. And Bruce what? didn't say he put it there. Like, he didn't – he still never confessed. That's a weird place. Yeah. Right? I don't understand this. Yeah. yeah I don't either. I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe somebody maybe. took it and was like, if they just find it, they'll be like, oh, Chandler just misplaced it. And it was never actually stolen, right? Like, But somewhere obvious then. Yeah. Exactly. It's somewhere where he could have dropped it, but, like, where you wouldn't have found it if you yeah, were looking. Totally, yeah. So one camper said, quote, It's something I have a really hard time forgiving myself over. I feel so guilty, not just for taking part in the beatings, but for wanting him to die. I still have nightmares from what we did to him. Yeah. Uh, so this was obviously after. So yeah, I the camp, imagine. The camp already had some concerns filed. One father said that his son had been kicked in the head by a staff member for faking seizures in 2006. And then two years after that, a 16-year-old escaped with a satellite phone and the state police found him miles away trying to remove his shackles. Oh my God. And then during visits, they found one staff member had no first aid training, another hadn't had a criminal background check, and there were no written policies or procedures for the program. Shocking. Right? Oh, no. And there was no landline. They could only communicate with the outside world via Chandler's cell, which I'm sure he shared with him freely. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure he was totally fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, And then their calls were also monitored and their letters were screened. So one camper had, I can't remember, I didn't write it down, but he was like, yeah, if I wrote that I was being starved and shit, like there was no way it would have been delivered, which you, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? So Chandler was told by authorities that the vehicles that he used to transport the kids had to have fire extinguishers on them and first aid kits and enough seat belts for all of the kids that they would be transporting or the camp would be shut down. So Chandler said that he was working on meeting all of these criteria, but then the state decided to reclassify the program as a wilderness camp so the program would no no longer fall under the state's purview so then he could get away with not fixing shit what a fucking scumbag yeah so months after the wallet incident bruce was actually adjusting and he was earning privileges for good behavior he was now eating cornbread beef stew and the occasional steak that chandler's daughters cooked so he got into the privileged yeah yeah Bruce's mom and and stepdad visited in winter 2013, and they were like, he seems different. Like, he, you know, he used to go in with, like, the gauges in his ear. Like, he was yeah, kind of, like... heavy metal. Heavy metal and gothic. 
And uh, now he just wore a cowboy hat. He went to Baptist church. He had asked to be baptized, and he seemed really happy, and he was really polite. It only took several tortures. Yeah, to Beatings. Like, set him straight. <laughs> abuse from adults. Strip right? searches. Like, uh, uh that's yeah, not that's the way it. to do it. There are yeah. other boot camps that have policies and procedures that are effective. Like, I don't doubt that this camp was in some ways effective, but it's They're effective torture. in the wrong way. And I'm not sure in the long term, like, you'd be traumatized. I don't think, yeah, I don't think in the long term these things are ever effective. Because, like, jail and, like, the horrors people face in there, it's shown to be more, like, we keep jail around as an institution for, because uh, the public wants blood. Like, it's for Mm -hmm. punishment thirst because it never actually rehabilitates anyone. Yeah. It never fixes anything. Exactly. Not in the long term, at least. So, in the meantime, people were actually reporting abuse, and the camp was about to be, like, thoroughly investigated because of parents saying, you know, my kid was beaten. Yeah, that's So, on the night of September 22nd, 2013... Bruce and a group of boys coming back from Chandler's parents' house after watching a football game while they were coming back. Yeah. (laughs) I worded that weirdly. Um, Anyway, the boy driving was a recent Tierra Blanca graduate, and he took a curve on a dirt road too fast, and he ended up rolling the truck. And there hadn't been enough seats in the cab, so Bruce had volunteered to sit in the bed of the pickup. And when they crashed, he was ejected. And there was spotty cell phone coverage where they were, and they were, like, really remote and far from the hospital. Right. But he was finally airlifted to a level one trauma center in El Paso, but he died of massive internal bleeding because he couldn't – they couldn't get him there fast enough. Yeah. Um, This was the last straw for the governor's office. Less than three weeks later, they raided the ranch with a search warrant, but they didn't find anybody. Like, it was empty. Right. So they thought, like, someone had tipped Chandler off and he'd fled, so they issued an amber alert. Um, But then Chandler, like, they got a hold of him and he maintained he was on a camping trip and he arranged to deliver 11 of the 13 boys to their parents. Uh The other two were 18 and they decided to return to the ranch with Chandler. Weird. And then weeks later, Chandler and his wife went on the Today Show with Matt Lauer and they were talking about how the kids... They want the kids to be safe and successful, and people don't understand the type of kids that they take in Um, and, like, how great their program is. You just don't understand what we have to deal with with these kids. Like, okay. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Yeah, you were the one going through the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. I know. So he says, like he said, quote, you have to remember some of these kids are master manipulators, and a lot of them have some big credibility issues. Fuck that. Like, that's... Probably true, but I yeah. don't think all of them would be telling the same story if Yeah, and there's here's the thing. This is not how you deal with bad kids. Yeah, it's not. Starvation? You have to understand these kids were bad, so we starved and beat and tortured and stripped them. Which makes sense. That's how that's how you treat that. We set the dogs upon these naughty boys. Like it's just normal okay. psychology. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. All right. And, and like this guy had talked all about how, oh, everybody's over medicated, like um, these things can be fixed with hard work and exercise and get endorphins and those good hormones flow in. Just a little bit of torture. Just a little bit of torture. That's fine. Yeah, don't um, worry. There, there's endorphins. It's good for your endorphins. <laughs> yeah, God. So many graduates actually do still keep in touch with Chandler, and they send wedding invitations and birth announcements. Weird. But – and, like, the reason that Chandler went into this is because his parents had taken in teens from broken homes before – And Chandler was like, I can do it better. Like, I'll do this. I'll organize this whole thing. Sure. And wife, wife, Chandler and his wife admitted that. That's a good name for a wife. Wife. Wife Chandler. Wife Chandler. Uh, Chandler and his wife admitted that the kids sometimes took things into their own hands. You know, like, 
so the wife compared it to like you know on the playground how you have a bully yeah. and he like just picks on everyone and then finally everybody just kind of gathers together and gives him a taste of his own medicine. Bruce wasn't a bully though. No, but that's how she made it sound. Wow. Um, but and then they also denied that they were aware that Bruce was being beaten, even though they admitted kids sometimes took things into their own hands. So it's kind of contradictory. Like, yeah, they're contradicting themselves. Yeah. But that's yeah. it. That's the whole story. No, they're totally trying to cover their asses. Fuck that. The I poor know. parents. Because they must, you know, I don't like know the how they guilt. feel, but the guilt. The guilt is probably me. killing them, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I can't obviously speak for his parents, but, like, if I did that without realizing that it was a torture camp and my kid got killed and I heard about all this shit afterward, I'd be like, I can't believe I signed those papers. Yeah, like, they were told, they heard, like, oh, yeah, this camp is so good. Like, it's so yeah. effective. Kids become so respectful and like get back on the right track and blah 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 so like of course they were gonna try it because it yeah. sounded they had like recommendations recommendations yeah like it didn't sound like a bad thing oh my god well i'm never gonna send my kids to boot camp anyway i'm just not the type I yeah guess. oh like, and my care. son doesn't require it uh no but there's always a better alternative like uh, therapy first exactly not boot camp so <laughs> I, I'm being your assistant again. Thank you, beautiful assistant Andrea, who just did gymnastics because Hazel, my cat, who jumped over my head, <laughs> um, like leaped over She's it a in a single bound, yeah, is sitting in a very inopportune spot. She was on your notes. I know. So I had to twist all the way around and grab him. Oh, dandelion, my other cat, was sitting on a bunch of my notes while I was on the phone with the loans people. Oh, good. And I was like, she was asking me my SIN number, and I'm like, I can't get it. My cat's on it. And I tried <laughs> to, like, get it, and it, the, the page ripped, and I was like, fuck. Yeah, and then I, the girl on the phone was like, aw, how many cats do you have? Because she just really likes cats. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you're my cat As person. As a normal, reasonable person does. I know. <laughs> she's a hurt me struggling with the cat, and she's like, oh, a kitty. I love kitties. That sounds like me. Kitties are the best. They are the best. So... I did conversion therapy horrors. Um, a lot of people ask for conversion camp um, deaths, but a lot of them are really well covered up and they're really hard to find info on. So I mainly just targeted like various horrors. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are some that are like so recent and tragic. Like some, a lot are suicides because the people are so miserable after that I just felt it was a little unkind to cover yeah, it when it, it happened like last week. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to give you guys a brief summary of what conversion therapy is. Uh, conversion therapy is the pseudoscientific practice of trying to change an individual's sexual orientation and or gender from LGBTQ plus to uh, strictly their assigned gender and heterosexual using psychological or spiritual interventions. Um, there is virtually no reliable evidence that sexual orientation can be changed, and medical bodies and institutions basically warn that conversion therapy practices are ineffective and actively harmful. Yes. So don't. Pseudoscientific means fake. Fake science. Yeah, it means, like, not, real. not good science. Yeah. Basically, like, a theory that no scientist has tested in any way. And that you cannot prove. Yeah, like... Uh, aliens or whatever, like, yeah. you know, like, it's very pseudoscientific. Yeah, so, first uh, case of some conversion therapy horror, Sam Brinton. Um, in the early 2000s, when he was in middle school, Sam Brinton was subjected to gay conversion therapy by his parents, who were very much like fundamentalist Southern Baptist missionaries who believed they could cure him of his homosexuality, 
uh, by forcing him to undergo for years what basically amounts to torture. Ugh. He was told by a quote-unquote-unquote therapist, <laughs> yeah, like, this is not a therapist, yeah. a therapist, that his sexuality was rejected by his faith, that he was the abomination they'd heard about in Sunday school, that he was the only gay person left in the world. Oh my god. Yeah, this is a common thing. Like, some sources state, and I'm not sure if this happened to him exactly, but some sources uh, do state, and this has happened in camps, that a common practice in conversion therapy camps is telling, you know, the victims, the survivors, that the rest of the gay people in the world have been executed, and that they're going to come for them next if they didn't un-gay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, so, and they also, like, his therapist, Sam's, also told him that it was inevitable that he'd get HIV and AIDS. Of course. And it gets worse. Even if you do not have sex, it's just being gay that does it. Right? He's in conversion therapy. Like, when is he just going to, like, sneak out and just have the sex? Like, <laughs> like I don't know. Like, that's not how that works. Also, HIV is treatable now, so AIDS is really uncommon. And it also spreads between heterosexual people. It spreads between everyone who has it's sex not, and has it. It doesn't discriminate. No, it's not like I it's will a virus. only go with gays. <laughs> yeah, viruses aren't going to be like, you're fine because you're straight. Yeah, it's just like, nope. Nope. I'm not going to live in this body. It's too straight. Yeah, that's not how, well, if I were a virus, I'd be like, ew, straight body. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I love the straights. That sounded convincing. You actually love You're all welcome. people. I do. More, I, much more than I do. I'm a lot more forgiving of people who are not nice to me. Yeah. So, uh, after all, after being told all that, it does get worse. Okay. The therapist ordered that Sam be bound to a table. And have ice placed on his body, along with intense sources of heat and electrocution. This is early 2000s? Yep. Oh, it still happens. This All this stuff still happens. Very common. I just common. don't understand, like, okay. It happens in 2018. It's happening now. Jesus. Yep, I know. During the uh, varying forms of torture the therapist and staff enacted on Sam, they'd force him to, like, watch videos and images of two men hugging and two men holding hands and having sex. With the excuse behind, like, the forms of torture being that he'd eventually associate the pain with homosexuality and be, like, forcefully conditioned into being straight as a result. Needless to say, uh, no. No. Um, I don't, yeah. yeah. That's not how that works. No. No. <laughs> Though the torture therapy caused uh, trauma and damage to his relationship with his family, Sam is currently a bisexual, gender-fluid activist for LGBT plus rights, and he speaks out against the horrific practice of conversion therapy good so support sam man yeah i think he's part of the trevor project go sam yeah go, honestly yeah because <laughs> this would be traumatic i can't imagine yeah. this and he was like i mean early junior high that'd be like with like 12 12 yeah, years old like, jesus it's amazing that he like made it through that and didn't is doing good with it because you know like a weaker person would well, not even weaker, but just, like, someone whose, like, mind is more subject to, like, yeah. that stuff. Like, a lot of people do claim to be ex-gays as a result, and usually they're secretly still gay. Like, they'll Yeah, you can't really hate change themselves. that. Like, no. But, yeah, you hate yourself so much, and then... Suicide. So you force it. Yeah, some people force it. suicide, or at least just lifelong misery. Yeah, lifelong misery. It's also not fair to any, like, partner you're gonna have, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, no person who gets married wants to wake up one day and realize that, like, their husband or wife does not want to touch them mm -hmm. and only marry them because they're disgusted by themselves. Agreed. Right? Yeah, like, <laughs> no one wants that. Like, it's not it's not a thing. But, um, yeah, so the next one is more historical. Okay. I um, like history. 
it's relevant history since history repeats itself, and it definitely is in 2019. So, the persecution of lesbians and gay men in Nazi Germany. Oh, God. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, lesbians who were sent to the concentration camps back then were always classified as, quote, asocials. And as such, lesbian inmates wore the black triangle given to asocials instead of the pink triangles given to male homosexuals. The authorities always sent lesbians to concentration camps as asocials as it was such a broad category as to allow the Nazis to send, like, anyone of whose lifestyle they disapproved to the concentration camps, right? right? So they could classify, like, so many people, right? Even, like, a suspected lesbian or suspected asocial, whatever that fucking means. So... (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know... Yeah, like I've read books about you know Nazi Germany, but yeah, not about asocials. I think the classification was basically meant that like someone who is a danger to the traditional way of life in our good old society, of course. Which honestly, I think Nazis are. Yeah, well, they were the most dangerous. Yeah, they were the most asocial. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so there is that. Gay men suffered unusually cruel treatment in the concentration camps. They had their testicles boiled off by water. Boiled off? Boiled off. Oh my god. I can't even fucking imagine because that's going to take a while and oh my god, I hope I hope they passed out. Oh my <laughs> god. Yep. Uh. So survivor uh, Pierre Seal said, quote, the Nazis stuck 25 centimeters of wood up my ass. Oh my god. 25 oh, centimeters? Uh, I would be perforated. I'm not big enough no, for that. Yeah, like... Oh, I'm glad he that survived. That could immediately kill you. Yeah. No, absolutely. That could cause a perforation and you'd die yeah. horribly. Yep. But, you know, Nazis don't really care about killing people horribly. No, So. True. Yeah, yeah, they weren't worried. Um, they faced persecution not only from German soldiers, but other prisoners as well, and many gay men were beaten to death by the other prisoners, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, homophobia. Mm-hmm. But additionally, gay men in forced labor camps routinely received more grueling and dangerous work assignments than other non-Jewish inmates. So Jewish people and gay people yeah. got a lot of bad shit. Um, oh, yeah, Jewish people the worst, but obviously, yeah. Uh, under the policy of, quote extermination through work. So this was to kill them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So for instance, they were assigned to the most dangerous tasks at the Dora uh, Mittelbau underground rocket factory and the stone quarries at Flossenberg and Buchenwald. Sorry, okay. Germans. Um, <laughs> SS soldiers were also known to use gay men for target practice, aiming their weapons at the pink triangles the gay men were forced to wear. Where were they, the triangles? On their body. Oh, on chest, I think. Chest, okay. Uh, yeah, it would have been in a similar spot as to where Jewish people were forced to wear the David the Star. star, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they used it and they're like, haha, I'll try to hit the triangle on living humans. Yeah, so the Third Reich forced Jewish women and lesbians to perform sex acts with men at German camp brothels in World War II. Heinrich Himmler ordered that, quote, uh, like, pink triangles be forced to perform sex acts on female sex slaves, many so of whom were lesbians. this is conversioning. Yeah, this, uh, like... In a really weird, disorganized way. Yeah, like, in a sadist way. Like, yeah. this proved to be psychologically damaging to both parties, obviously. Obviously. Because the uh, female sex sli- slaves have no say in it either. No, they're slaves. Like, homosexuals were also ordered to perform these acts. Like, they're ordered to do this about once a week as conversion therapy. Okay. Like, that was the idea. You got it. The, uh, 
quote unquote 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 therapy <laughs> also included humiliation through beatings and ridicule as well as the policy of segregating homosexuals from other prisoners which was also implemented out of the belief that like homosexuality could be spread to other inmates and guards okay which is why there are so many gay people today that's it that's the reason i coughed on andrea now she's gay i'm gay now yeah so i mean there's that it's, it hasn't any been very contagious. Yeah, any ladies. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are many who'd be like, I wish. <laughs> it's like staring at you longingly. My sister's pretty. But Aww. yeah, I mean, she's a pretty lady. Thank you. Yeah. So trying to like uh, lighten this mood a bit. Yeah, but yeah it's not. I know, it's so Aww. brutal. So, it is brutal. It's really hard to hear. I know. When I was researching this, I was like, okay, I, I need to dissociate a little. But yeah, yeah, so like it, they also were subjected to like experiments, uh, which included attempts to create immunization from typhus fever. So they'd be like purposefully infected, which was led by Erwin Ding Schuler and uh, castration. Ugh. Oh, my God. Yep. One of these various experiments was uh, halted when it was determined that lice was a threat to the camp's health. <sighs> Okay. I think Nazis are, like, a bigger threat to my health than lice, but right? okay. Yeah, like, another experiment um, that used homosexuals involved placing the subjects under sun lamps that were so hot they burned the skin. Oh, my God. Yeah. The homosexual victim was said to have been repeatedly cooled to unconsciousness, then revived with the lamps until they were pouring sweat oh my God. and probably burning. That would... Yep. God. Yeah, that would be really hard on your body all the shit that the nazis did is like horror movie tears and i'm just like why do people want to bring this back right why like it's just creating a a world that's evil horrifying and scary yeah like it's not safe for anyone to live in no it won't be safe for them either because as soon as like if anything if you slip up or anybody thinks you even minorly slipped up suddenly you're you're being tortured yeah, and the thing is, like, the the end goal of, like, white supremacy and fascism, basically, like, there isn't one. There has to always be a group that's worse than you. So once you get rid of all the people of color, all the gays, all the Jewish people, all of everyone, who are you going to go after next? You're going to start going in on Italians and Irish. Yeah. And then you're going to have to start ordering people, I'll take a 23 in me, and whoever has, like, over 2% black or indigenous heritage, they're gone. Yeah, and yeah. then they'll be like... Go by height or weight or like eye color, eye color, uh, athleticism, like anything, anything. There will be like two men left at the end of this. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like you guys don't bullshit plan. Yeah, it's a bad plan. Like no one should want this or think it's a good idea because they will come for you. You know that, right? Eventually, yep. Yep. People will turn on you. So next one, TC. So this is from HuffingtonPost.ca. So TC, a 19-year-old gay man who spoke to the Huffington Post anonymously for their article in order to, like, protect his safety, is a survivor of conversion therapy practices. TC was subjected to conversion therapy in 2012 when he was 15 years old after his parents discovered he was gay. Um, yeah, bad. Um, The conversion therapy practices took place in the basement of a church after school hours and were explained to TC and his parents as having two separate components. So he told the Huffington Post, quote, the first step, which usually lasted six months, is where they, and this is a quote from the supposed therapists, deconstruct us as a person. Their tactics still haunt me. Aversion therapy, shock therapy, harassment, and occasional physical abuse. Their goal was to get us to hate ourselves for being LGBTQ. Um, In brackets, he basically said, like, most of us were gay, but the entire spectrum was represented. 
and they knew what they were doing. The second step of the program, uh, they, another quote from the supposed therapists, rebuilt us in their image. Oh my god. Yeah, How sounds can be bad. more narcissistic? <laughs> right? Like, okay, like, you guys are such good people, you're tormenting children. Yeah. Yeah, definitely want more people to be like you. Yeah, so they removed us of everything that made us a unique person and instead made us a walking, talking robot for Jesus. That's a good quote. Perfect. That's, That's a really great. good quote, yeah. <laughs> they retaught us everything we knew, how to eat, talk, walk, dress, believe, even breathe. We were no longer people at the end of the program. TC said that the conversion therapy sessions would take place every weekday with shock therapy treatments lasting approximately an hour and diversion therapy lasting three. Holy shit. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, TC said multiple minors involved in his program ultimately took their own lives. Oh, so here's no. another quote from him. Quote, they were able to turn us against ourselves, he said. This is what drew so many people to suicide. We all shared a sense of loathing towards who we were and who we loved. It wasn't just your regular, I hate myself. It was a disgust with the person you were, and you wanted to do anything you could to change. Watching people disappear just became a fact of life after a while. You got used to it. Oh my god. Yep, that's uh, that's a lot. Ugh. So, when asked if he had a message for pro-conversion therapy vice president-elect Mike Pence, <laughs> which is, a, it's real, Mike Pence is into that, Yeah. TC simply said, quote, I'm a human, treat me like one. God, I would have been like, I fucking... <laughs> I know, I would have been like, I'm not gonna fucking I know kill where you. <laughs> I, I know where you live, Mikey. Yeah, Mikey like, I would have lost my shit. You better sleep with one eye open, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'd be like, is he gonna hear this? Is he gonna hear this? I'm going to fucking tear you apart. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah I, I would be tempted. Like, how can you still be for conversion therapy? Like, how does gay people existing affect Mike Pence? He can just not be gay himself. Yeah, like that's fine. He's not gay, then he doesn't have to be around gay people then. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't get why uh. people give a shit. But yeah, no. So, next one. Another historical one. Ice pick lobotomies. No. Those <laughs> are horrifying. Right? Like, literally, ice pick. So, in the 1940s and 1950s, U.S. neurologist Walter Freeman popularized the ice pick lobotomy to treat homosexuality. <sighs> He personally performed as many as 3,439 lobotomy surgeries in 23 states, of which 2,500 used his ice pick procedure, despite the fact that he had no formal surgical training. No. <laughs> Yikes. I know, right? Up to 40% of Freeman's patients were gay individuals subjected to a lobotomy in order to change their homosexual orientation, which left most of these individuals severely disabled for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I mean, even in well-performed lobotomy isn't good, but these were badly performed lobotomies. Yeah, so just severe brain damage. Yeah, they would just, yeah, they'd not be in a good spot. So while promoted at the time as a treatment for various psychoses, the effectiveness of lobotomy in changing sexual orientation was already the subject of critical research in 1948 when a single case was investigated by uh, Joseph Friedlander and Ralph Binet. And here's a hint as to what that's all about. It's neither effective nor good, they find. Oh, okay. Um, so also, a video depicting the ice pick lobotomy of a homosexual man was featured in the documentary film Changing Our Minds, the story of Dr. Evelyn Hooker, for people who are emotionally, like, prepared to watch all that evil unfold on tape. Okay. You can check that out. Lovely. So, and I've got the last one now. Okay. This one's, it's brutal, but it's more, you know. He, he's alive, which is okay. good. <laughs> no ice pick lobotomy. Okay, good. Yeah. So Peter Gajdik, I believe is how you pronounce. I'm 
so sorry, Peter, if you're... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so bad at pronouncing things. I look them up and, like, YouTube will not tell me. But yeah, so, Peter is the Vancouver-based author of The Inheritance of Shame, a memoir, which documents his six-year experience with... Oh, and this info is from mcleans.ca. I'll, like, give you guys a link. Yeah, about his six-year experience and eventual escape from a form of conversion therapy. And you should all go check out his work. He's also a Canadian activist. Oh, good. Yeah, Vancouver. So when Peter was 23, he came out to his parents as gay. And though they'd never discussed uh, the time he'd been sexually assaulted as a child by a stranger at a church bazaar, his parents told him that a, quote, dirty old pervert had, quote, seduced Peter into being gay, and that his current, quote, deviant lifestyle was, quote, immoral. Okay. So they said a whole lot. Yeah. What a way to treat your own child, huh? A-plus parenting. Yeah. Yeah, good job. So, like, just a side note to parents here, uh, you should really, like, A, give a shit about that time your child was sexually assaulted by your own fucking church. Yes. And B and C, not blame them for being assaulted and also not blame their sexuality as, like, the result of assault. Like, what the fuck is wrong with people? (laughs) No kidding. Yeah. So that's all me because I am mad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that latter part was Everybody me, not Peter. Mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone should be mad. So after months of arguments and forced suppression with his family, Peter left Vancouver. He knew he needed to talk to a therapist, so his doctor referred him to a psychiatrist, right? Mm-hmm. And though it hadn't ever been something that would even, like, occur to Peter himself, the psychiatrist was total shit, as many are. Uh, and many. 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 Yeah. Most. Um, most. <laughs> and told him that his history with childhood sexual abuse had basically given him the false belief that he was gay. That's not how that works. That's not how that works, no. Most people are not attracted to the person who attacked them, no. No. And also, that's not how that works. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he says something about that, too. But because, like, it became from, you know, a supposed expert, Peter didn't feel like he could argue against it, right? Right. He was like, okay. So this is quoted from Peter, who wrote the article in the claims, which, like I said, will be linked in the description. Quote, I had nowhere else to turn. Very quickly, therapy meant to help me overcome past trauma had turned into a form of conversion therapy meant to correct the error of my homosexuality. Those were the doctor's words. Over the... Right? It's fucked. So (sighs) over the next six years, the doctor prescribed near-fatal dosages of various concurrent psychiatric medications. He directed me to release my pain and to feel my rage during prolonged sessions of primal scream therapy. He injected me weekly with ketamine hydrochloride, which is an animal anesthetic and scary party drug. Jesus. Yeah, before reparenting sessions where I would lie in his lap like a newborn baby so he could nurture me as my new daddy. Nope, that's just weird. Yeah, therapists who are doing that have ulterior motives, I think. Yeah. He even used uh, aversion therapy, exposing me to a stimulus while simultaneously subjecting me to some form of discomfort, all in an effort to help me flip over to the other side, to my supposed innate heterosexuality. (laughs) Everybody's heterosexuality is just innate. It's just under the surface. Yeah. (laughs) It's just right there, and you just need... Inside me. ...to be babied by a psychiatrist to let it come out. Yeah, you just need an abusive psychiatrist to be your abusive daddy while you pretend to be a newborn in their lap, and you'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, that's healthy. Good, good. Right? Yeah, so he continued, Today, of course, I understand that sexual abuse does not make a person homosexual any more than abuse of any kind makes a person heterosexual. (laughs) And that shaming anyone about their sexuality, regardless of its orientation, will never help change them into something that they're not. All it will do is increase their shame about who they are 
already. When I met this doctor, however, I would have believed anything he told me. I was young, and my vision was clouded by years of trauma. All I wanted was to not be in pain. I had trusted him. Yeah, I mean, you do when you're younger, right? Like, you think, yeah. oh, they're a doctor, they're a psychiatrist, they... They know their shit. They are infallible in their field. Yeah. And then you realize when you get older, that is not the case. It doesn't matter if they're an adult and a doctor. It doesn't matter. Well, he was an not adult, everybody's too. everybody's infallible. Like, yeah, but, like, young you, adult. you realize it more and more as you get even older, right? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you realize, oh, yeah, adults are humans and some of them are bad. Yeah. Bad humans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah, check out that link if you want to help Canada ban more forms of conversion therapy, which yes. you should. And, and email I'll probably us link more. Yeah. At Andrea, no. At Andrea. At two scared siblings at gmail.com. I'm so used to giving my email at uh, hotels now. Andrea's like, lesbians, <laughs> slide into my DMs. Yeah. At Andrea, yeah. Ladies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, as we said, I coughed on her. Yeah. yeah. I can feel the gay setting in. Yeah, this is how this happens. Yep. I'm a gay man, so of course anyone, any woman who touches me is going to be a lesbian because that's, that makes logical sense too. That's what happens. That's not even how gender works. Like, what were they, okay. That's not how anything works. That's not how I, like. Except the flu. (laughs) (laughs) That's my sexual orientation. It's a sexual. It's a virus. I'm really into like, I'm really into virophages. (laughs) They're just so beautiful. They look like little screws. Love them. Yeah. I'm sick a lot. (laughs) God. Yeah, you see, that might actually be a harmful orientation, but mainly to you. (laughs) Yeah, so. Great for the virus. Yeah, the virus is like, score. This is awesome. Finally, finally someone sees me for the beautiful (laughs) creature I am. And lets me live in their body, unchecked. I don't even pay rent. I just eat them. <laughs> but yeah, no. Like, yeah, so then two scared also, siblings two at scared, Yes, and two scared sibs on Twitter. Yeah, we had to shorten it to sibs, so two scared sibs. Yeah, and Twitter. Yes, on Twitter. And Sheesh. your personal? Andrea Noel 3. And my personal is at Toy Carousels. Yes, and go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash two scared siblings. We're doing a bonus episode right after this, so. Yeah, so if you do our $5 tier, you get a special verbal shout-out and your name in the description, and you also get bonus episodes. You can actually hear it. Yay. Yeah, there have been many. Yes. You're missing out. Also, you you can help us for, like, $1, and we still give you a verbal shout-out in your name in the description. You just don't get the awesome bonus episodes. Yes. (laughs) And I know that makes you feel deeply sad. You should be devastated. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, guys. All All right. right. (laughs) So now's the time when we give you a kiss. Mwah. Mm -hmm. Sleep well.